0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. The time has come. I like that. The time is now. For Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast.
1: Welcome back. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, you're still in one piece. There's no broken legs.
2: <laughs> How was skiing? It was beautiful. Breckenridge is beautiful. Yes. What was also great about it, not just the skiing. We did boom wheeling and all that kind of stuff. But one of my fantastic Victoria Still positive dog trainers lives very close to the Louisa oh. Morrissey. So I was able to meet with her and... Um, meet her beautiful dogs and get my doggy fix while I was away. Oh,
1: good, mm-hmm. good. So, um, everybody enjoy uh, your daughter, your husband, everybody enjoy skiing? They, Yeah, they do, they do. Did and you take video of you wiping out? No. No. No, but pictures, do we have pictures? But I have a few pictures, we'll maybe put I'll put up. one up. Because we were bored here without you, we were lonely and bored without you. Yeah,
2: right. All I
1: did was search for animal stuff online. Do you to have feel them? Close. To you. But you know what? And because of that, I found amazing animal, animal factoids. Oh, you did? So mm-hmm. you want to you wanna ask me that? I do. I'm going to give you a quiz from my animal factoids. You want to do this? Yes, I do. I've but been waiting for you to come back.
2: I w- I'm excited about our guests, though, before yes. we go into that. Dr. Duffy Jones, who is my vet mm-hmm. for Sadie and Jasmine at Peachtree Hills Animal Hospital in Atlanta. He is a wonderful, wonderful man. Yes. And I love him to bits. And he's just treated my poor old Sadie, who is chewing her foot off because she suffers from allergies. And we get this every year. This is the time of the year when the allergies start to kick in. She has environmental allergies. Her feet start to itch. Mm. And I go, okay, now is the time to start the antihistamine again, because I know what's going to happen. And then it starts to get a little yeasty. and I'm trying to treat the yeast. But. This just got out of a control. A cu- couple of hours it takes. So <sighs> when she licks and licks and licks one particular paw, it's just one paw, and she almost bites the whole Ugh. paw pad off. And it just takes her a couple of hours. So Yikes. I just went to see him, and I thought it would be really good to get him on here to talk about allergies because, unfortunately, so many pets suffer right. from allergies now. So we are going to have him as our guest today.
1: Good to know. Very good to know. All First right. of all, give me the quiz. All right. You want to know? Okay, so let's go with an easy one, um, which is not really that easy. I say that. Um, What animal can hold its breath for 45 minutes? Is that the dolphin? I don't know. See, now, there might be more than one, but it's a beaver. Would have not have known that. See? There you go. Okay, how about this one? What full-grown animal can run as fast as a horse? I learned a lot while you were gone. Full-grown animal? Can run as fast as a
2: horse. I know a greyhound runs around 30 miles to... 40 miles no about 30 miles an hour you might go faster than a horse a full-grown bear can run hey! as fast as a horse that's right? why i don't want to go hiking yeah. that <laughs> my husband keeps on trying to get me to go hiking because he wants to go out into the back of beyond in the north georgia mountains and be- i just don't want to go because there's lots of black bear out there
1: not that black bear but it's grizzly and black bear well, are okay. different Black All bears right. are very skittish and they don't like people grizzly
2: well, bears I don't want to go to Wyoming or Montana or anything like that. Look, I love open (laughs) spaces and countryside and that, but I don't want to go hiking because I'm afraid of the bears. (laughs) I will keep you safe. What can lift 50 times
1: its own weight? An ant. Yes. Gosh, I'm good. Very good. good. You knew that. And did you also know that it can pull 30 times their own weight as well? And it always falls over on their right side when they're intoxicated. When they're (laughs) intoxicated? (laughs) <laughs> did you just make that I up? I did not make that up. I'm famous for making that up. I did not. No, I found this on my animal factoid sheet. but I don't know where the ants are getting intoxicated from, but I don't know. You is know, there some kind out. of ant equivalent to alcohol? I don't know. Or maybe they get into beer and wine. I don't know. But I, I want to know who the researchers were <laughs> that studied that. Like, oh, there goes another one down on its right. Okay. Hi. How about, um, let's see this one. What is the only mammal capable of sustained flight? A mammal,
2: not a bird. A mammal. Our Our producer's putting his hand up. Let him
1: say. Yes, a bat. A bat is the only mammal capable of sustained flight. And for the record, here's another factoid for you. The brown myotis bat, when born, is equivalent to a woman giving birth to a 30-pound baby.
2: Woo! Right. (laughs) My daughter's here and her face. Right.
1: This is why you don't want to be a brown myotis bat. Never. Okay, how about the world's smallest mammal is the bumblebee bat in Thailand. It weighs less than this coin. A penny? Yes. It weighs (laughs) less than a penny. As I'm forming the P, she's kind (laughs) of nodding. Okay, how many muscles does a cat have in each ear?
2: Well, I know dogs have about 20. They have a little more. 26. 32. 32.
1: So, okay, so dogs have... Ten vocal sounds, right? How many do cats have? And I think my cat George goes through every single one every night. I have no idea. One hundred vocal sounds Good for grief. a cat. That's why sometimes I want to put him in a closet. Okay, let's go back to bats. Of the four thousand species of mammals on the planet, how many different species of bats are there? So there's four thousand mammals total. How many of those are bats? Okay,
2: going to be a lot, isn't it?
1: Nine hundred. Good grief! There's too isn't many bats. Creepy? Okay, Um here's one that's just going to...
2: Oh, I knew this.
1: How many days can a cockroach live without its head before it starves to death? Oh,
2: no. <laughs> that's just going to freak me out. Nine I... days. Oh. Nine days it can live oh. without its head.
1: And for the record, its favorite food is the glue on the back of stamps. It can live off the back of a stamp Uh huh. for like nine months or something. My
2: first introduction <laughs> to cockroaches, because in Britain, I never really met a cockroach in Britain. Wow. Was in Malay. I never met one. Never said, how do you do? <laughs> It was in Malaysia when I traveled in Malaysia. When I was 18, I traveled around Malaysia, Thailand, oh, Singapore okay. for three months. And they were huge, about the size of the palm of your hand. Yes. I don't really think anything of them. I would get my shoe and whack them and squash <gasps> yeah. them because we'd stay in some pretty ropey places. So they're full of cockroaches. <laughs> but now when I see them in my house... right. I freaked. I know. The- I'm like, woo! I ran away like a woman. Go get my <laughs> husband to come <laughs> exactly. and smash it. Just Sorry to all those people out there who don't think that we should kill cockroaches. Oh, please. I'm going to and I don't uh, like them and they spread disease. A
1: hundred trillion more behind them.
2: Okay. Yeah. How do butterflies taste? How do they taste mm. something? <laughs> no, I mean. With their proboscis, proboscis, proboscis. What is that? With their tongue. Their, oh. You know, their what's-it comes out. Their, their what's-it
1: comes out. There's the quote of the day taken out of that Their what's-it comes out. <laughs> no, butterflies taste with their feet. Well, I didn't know that. I know. That's why I asked you. Okay, um, what animal is colorblind? I'm sure there's many, but what all of this one animal is colorblind? Which is very Silence. odd. But what's very odd about this, because, well, you want me to tell you? Yes. Bulls. So then why do we, like, drape that red? See, bullfighting is just... Well, bullfighting is disgusting okay um let's see i'll give you a couple more um how about this one um where are the cow's sweat glands
2: where are the cow's sweat glands not in its bottom no uh mouth nose very close i guess okay. when you see him doing this all right they're
1: panting i guess um How about this? (laughs) How about this? Some of these are so ridiculous. I can't. Okay. What can't chickens do while they're upside down? (laughs) Walk, (laughs) swallow, which I guess kind of makes sense because I think gravity (laughs) takes it over. All right. And the very last one is an homage to my husband, to my husband, Sean.
2: Why don't men walk (laughs) the dog? (laughs) Well, it's because they're lazy. (laughs) No, no. But that's a good one. What animal could withstand
1: hundreds of African bee stings that would kill any other animal? But this animal goes, I
2: don't care. I don't give a... Man? No. Animal. Animal.
1: What animal can withstand hundreds of African bee stings that would kill any other animal?
2: An elephant?
1: A honey badger. (laughs) Oh! <laughs> you've seen that video. Honey
2: badger, he, yeah. he don't care. care.
1: <laughs> all right, I have so many of these. I so, love these, don't you? We're all this learning something. This
2: is the something. highlight of my whole podcast. Okay, well, I can't give
1: you all the highlight away. So Darn. over the next few podcasts, I will roll out these animal factoids and amaze and thrill you all. But now, let's get to the real business. Let's talk to Dr. Duffy because uh, we need to get some real information here that we can really use.
0: The Positively Hotline is ringing.
1: We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're
0: just here. Who's calling in this week? went after her like she's made out of ham?
2: That is interesting.
0: That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your
2: phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. the phone!
0: Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! He-
2: Duffy, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Oh, glad to be here. I love talking with you guys. Anytime we get a chance.
2: Thank you. Well, as you know, and as I told our listeners, I brought Sadie to the vet to you. The other, well, I brought Sadie to your surgery yesterday um, because she's chewing her paw off. And she, she suffered from allergies all her life. They're environmental allergies. And there are certain times of the year, certainly living down here in Atlanta, Georgia, where her allergies just go crazy and she has this whole thing where she's licking her paws and she licks so much especially her back paw that she gets to the point where she will chew her pad off in a couple of hours mm. and she's so she she licks and licks and licks so much that if I'm not there to stop her and uh, she will she will be panting it's almost this, this physical exertion of when she's licking causes her to be so obsessed. But this is not just, this is not obsessive. This is not a behavioral issue. It's the fact that I think she's just in real discomfort and she's, her paws are itching her. Anyway, so of course, it's difficult trying to manage that situation. And what in your, in your opinion, or why do so many pets get allergies? What can be done about, about it to help? prevent these allergies from happening but also for managing uh, them when they do happen
3: that's a great question you know we see just lots and lots of animals with allergies and typically we see more of our purebred dogs have more allergies than our mixed breeds so i have hmm. to believe some of that is you know that is it is the bleeding that kind of sets these dogs up for being more allergic we also live in one of the worst Basis, uh, you know, places for allergies. Atlanta is great. I love this city, but when the pollen comes out, the whole mm-hmm. city turns yellow and, and literally, you know, I think Sadie really started chewing on our foot because we had one warm day and we had multiple dogs come in starting to itch and scratch and, and everything that way. There's no great way to prevent allergies, even dogs that are inside only. You know, just with how bad and how much pollen we can have, even if they don't go outside during the bad part of pollen, there's still enough that gets inside that will really start them, you know, to lick and scratch and itch. And, you know, the dogs, it really is uncomfortable. And what happens is they start to lick in one particular area, like a foot or a side, and they they just keep licking and licking, licking until they have this really massive hot spot very, very quickly. And so, It can be rather frustrating. Like you said, you just were, you went out of the house for about two or three hours. And by the time you got back, you know, she had licked her paw so raw that she couldn't walk on it. And so this is something that we see commonly. And and the best thing to do is just when we know that these dogs have allergies and we know that the the season is changing, we try and start medications, antihistamines, other things like that, that tend to decrease how much they're going to react to the allergens. We'll probably never get them to totally stop reacting to them. But if we can just lessen how much they react, then we've got a chance at not having it as severe, um, as it could be, which is, which is the whole goal. So, you know, I wish I could say I could cure them. I would love to be able to, to say that, but I really can't. Um, and I don't think anybody can. It's a lot of just managing it and really trying to stay ahead of the allergy and getting some of these drugs and getting the antihistamines on board prior to, prior to getting bad.
1: Is it like, um, you know, obviously it sounds to me like very much like uh, human allergies go where, you know, there's some predisposition, it's environmental, and it sounds seasonal. So um, is there anything, you know, for humans, you can take allergy shots, and eventually, you know, you are non-allergic anymore once you've been exposed, you know, a little bit over a long period of time. Is there anything like that for animals, or is it more just pharmaceuticals to use to get them through the season?
3: You know we do have allergy shots, and you know with there's allergy testing, we do it just like they do in humans you know mm-hmm. i had I was allergy tested once, and they they give you all those little shots and they look to see how you react. We actually do the same thing with the dogs we shave a big spot on their back and inject different allergens underneath the skin and then see how they react mm-hmm. and then we can actually um Formulate injections for them um, to try and basically desensitize them to them that way. And, you know, for the most part, they work fairly well. Um, it's a little bit expensive to do that. We do find a lot of the dogs will still need other pharmaceuticals probably to control it. You know, we have some clients um, of ours who have had their dogs' allergy tested and are on allergy shots, and think it's the best thing that's ever happened. And and we have a few that that did it and didn't think it did much good. Similar mm-hmm. similar to where people are. I think the average people response is about seventy percent. Um, response rate with allergy injections and I think we're about the same with dogs and so you know it can definitely help some of our really really severe dogs we do think that makes a difference you know with with dogs that are purely um, seasonal so we know that two to three weeks out of the year that that they're going to have some issues a lot of times we don't we won't do the injections for those dogs only because it's such a kind of a short period of time and it's really funny We, we actually get to see you know, over the years of seeing these dogs, I can almost tell you which dogs are going to come mm-hmm. and win by what's blooming outside. Like, mm-hmm. we have really good patterns, and we can look back in their chart and say, okay, last year on May 13th you came in, and then this year, you know, it's May 12th, and you're back for the same issue. And so it's really um, almost, it's, it's, it's almost to the day sometimes that we see these dogs back in and other things like that. And then I also know, that if I see Sadie react, I know I'm going to see four or five mm-hmm. other dogs and other patients, um, you know, who I know when she reacts, they tend to react to the same thing. So a lot of times when I see one of the dogs, I'll call the owner and say, all hey. right, the allergens are probably getting bad. You probably want to start some antihistamines at this point.
1: So. Is it like and the antihistamines, are they like, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, give your animal Benadryl or give them a whatever. Is it the same over the counter? Yeah. I mean, obviously you want to talk to your vet before you do anything yeah. with your animal, but.
3: Yeah, the great thing about antihistamines is just like they're in people, they're very, very safe. And so it's a class of drugs that we really, really like. It is one, what we're trying to do is if we can give antihistamines, which are safe, we can then avoid uh, stronger drugs like steroids and other drugs like that that may have more side effects. And we use a lot of the same antihistamines that they use in people. So we use a lot of Benadryl. We're starting to use more and more Claritin. We're starting to use a lot of these antihistamines, you know, with really good success. Definitely check with your veterinarian, making sure that there's no other underlying, you know, issue that that those drugs could exacerbate. Like sometimes dogs with seizures, Benadryl may not be the best drug for them um, and things like that. But in general, they're they're usually very safe. And they're great because if you get them on board before – the allergy really gets bad, it won't let it get revved up and get really, really bad like we see. It's, it's much harder to play catch up with allergies than if you are a little bit before they happen. You'll end up using a lot less drug. Your pet will be a lot happier, a lot more comfortable. Um, and you won't have to, you know, do things like picky collars and, and those sorts of things that we always feel bad putting on the dog, but they are effective to getting them to stop licking.
1: Are the symptoms, um, you know, obviously Sadie, we know the paw. A lot of dogs will lick a hot spot, whether it's the paw mm-hmm. or, you know, on their tail or whatever. What are some of uh, the other symptoms that uh, dog owners should look out for? Because oftentimes you think, oh my God, something's wrong, but it could just be allergies. Not to get into a panic.
3: Right. We see a lot of like facial rubbing and rubbing their paws and rubbing their faces. You know, and a lot of times you'll see dogs come in and then put their head on the carpet and run across. They'll start to also really itch at their ears. So we see a lot of facial ear issues when we see allergies um, that way too. We can also see a lot of scooting as well too. So a lot of times owners will see them kind of dragging themselves across the carpet and other things along those lines. So, you know, the itching and, and kind of the redness of the ears and and that's one of the things that we really start like to look for goopy eyes, runny nose, you know, we see some dogs that sneeze, Um, just like humans. Pretty much anything you would Mm -hmm. see in a human allergy-wise, you would tend to see. We just see a lot more itching and facial rubbing. And one of the scary things that we're starting to see is that with allergies, what happens is, and especially Sadie is a great example, the allergy actually started the itching of the foot. So she... So she then started licking the foot. She licked it so much because it itched that she got it open and she got it infected. Mm-hmm. And then what we worry about is worry about these infections. You know, even though the allergy started it, if they get one of these really severe infections like methicillin-resistant, staph infections, things that we see in people or very resistant infection, then we have a much bigger problem now than we did before. So a lot of times, you know, as vets, we really react to allergies and we treat allergies fairly aggressively because we want to prevent the open wounds that then can get infected and cause a much more serious problem.
1: What what can you do for prevention? I mean, obviously dogs have to go outside and use the bathroom or you need to exercise them a little bit, but are there certain things that you can do? I mean, I know as far as humans go, I guess the same things would benefit animals by changing the filters often, you know, cleaning their beds and their toys often because, you know, the pollen gets in on it. Should you be washing their feet or, you know, washing them off when they get in? It also, I guess, would help humans as well who have allergies.
3: Yeah, we actually do a lot of that. You know, we have a lot of our owners who are really diligent about, you know, making sure they change their filters. And then the other big one is that when they go outside, they'll come in and they'll wipe the dog's feet off really, really well. Mm-hmm. They'll also tend to, um, if you have a dog with really, really flowing hair, like, you know, I have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, and most of those dogs have really long, flowing hair. She has pretty bad allergies, and so when it gets to be springtime, when I know she reacts, I actually have her shaved pretty close just so that she doesn't collect the pollen and bring Mm. it in with her and other things like that. And that's made a huge difference. It also made a big difference. Um, You know, you can shampoo them more often to really try and just wash the allergens off more than anything else. But we have a lot of people that use baby wipes on their feet. We use baby wipes around their mouth, other things like that, just to purely wipe the allergens off.
2: Oh, well, it's good to know. Good information.
0: Everything,
2: you know, I was just smiling when you were saying that because every kind of symptom, <laughs> that's Sadie. She speaks, right, right. she does with her mouth, she does, she does everything, you know, and I try and be as diligent an owner as I can, um, to keep her comfortable because I know what's coming. So I put her on her antihistamines. I, I wash her feet. I do, you know, I, I try and, um, I try and kind of manage them. But she's so fast when she starts getting that itch, and it can happen overnight. Yeah, like this is
3: very, yeah, she's very reactive. I mean, I think you're doing a great job of managing her. You know what to look for. You know, in Sadie's case too, the allergy starts. it. She then gets a lot of yeast
1: secondary yes.
3: to mm-hmm. the allergy, and so with her, we end up having not only to control the the allergen with antihistamine sometimes. We end up having to use stronger drugs. And we also have to control the yeast because the yeast itself is very, very itchy. And then also the the secondary bacterial infections. And so, you know, it it is hard. And and it is a big frustration with a lot of our owners in Mm -hmm. that, you know, they they feel like they're doing the same thing over and over and over again and not making any progress. And a lot of times with allergies, we just try and really tell our owners, you know, this is a long-term Management, we're not going to cure it. We're we're really just trying to to not let this get really, really bad. I think if you weren't as diligent as you were with Sadie, her, all of her feet would be that bad. She would have open hot spots. She, you would have much more trouble than you have because um, you do a really good job of managing. You jump on the the, the open source really quickly and get them treated, and we can get it all calmed down. That way. It just is, these dogs are very difficult, you know, especially here in the South. You know, we have a lot of our owners who come in from out of town and, you know, they'll come in from Chicago or New York. And they hit Atlanta and all of this starts and they start itching and scratching and their ears go and everything like that. And, and they are just beside themselves. They're like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, you just moved to Atlanta. That's yeah. unfortunately sometimes what Welcome. happens.
2: Well, yeah. yeah. We're used to dealing with allergies in our family. Obviously, Sadie has allergies. My husband has environmental allergies, very bad environmental allergies. My daughter has food allergies. I don't yep. have any allergies. <laughs> so, someone hold it together. Exactly, because I'm the Brit, you know, see. I come in you know that, brings, that,
3: brings a, that brings up a great point, too, about food. You know, food is a component of a lot of these dogs. And so we see a lot of dogs with environmental allergies will also probably have a food allergy component of it. And so a lot of times we'll go on to really restrictive diets that will help trying to make their seasonal allergies not as bad as well, too. And that, and that can be very difficult. Food elimination diets are great. There's a lot of great diets out there, but if you do them correctly, you really have to eliminate all sources of other proteins and other things like that, which includes sometimes your heartworm medication. You have to get it specially formulated and other things like that. And so, you know, we see a lot of food allergy and airborne allergies um, go hand in hand in these dogs. These dogs tend to be kind of allergic to everything um, that way, too. And, again, it learns a lot in our pure-breed dogs.
1: Is there a um, – I know recently they, they've been doing studies recently, and there's a new uh, a, th- a way of thinking as far as – uh, seasonal allergies, spring allergies, especially and food. And, uh, with the environmental change and what's happening is that these trees, you know, as, as the, it's global warming and there's more carbon dioxide in the air, they're more productive. And because yeah. of that, there, there's more protein in the plant and half that protein is made with, po- you know, made for the pollen. Half the protein is made for food. So like in yeah. humans, they tell you stay away from tree nuts, stay away right. from, you know, certain types of foods. Is there stuff that would trigger animal allergies as well? Should you just be aware of that, or is it a little different in the animal world?
3: It's a little bit, I think, because of what the way we feed animals, and, and most people are fairly restrictive. You know, if humans, we eat so much, so many more different things than, than dogs do, that most of the diets are, are pretty well-processed, and they really do a good job of, of trying to, you know, make them as pure as they can. And so, We don't find that as much of a problem. We do have sometimes with dogs who are allergic and owners have really branched down and they're trying lots of different foods and other things like that. Sometimes we'll kind of tell them, all right, we need to kind of pick a protein source and really stay with it and, you know, not do nuts, not do trees and things like that. But most owners are pretty good about that. Mm -hmm. So it's not as much of a problem in in our profession i think as the human side just because the dogs really do eat they they eat so much better than we do you know <laughs> overall with mm-hmm, right. you know just better yeah better food and it's pretty consistent they don't um eat a lot of potato chips and things like that which we tend to, which at least i tend to do so
2: right yeah right back at you too I'm, <laughs> I'm the same duffy thank you so much we've uh... We've learned a lot today, and you know, I'm so glad that you're my Sadie and Japsman's vet. She, they, <laughs> they, they do love you. They do love you. They just, you know, sometimes they get a little scared coming into. Well, and surgery. if it
1: works so well you, with Sadie, I have a feeling she may be sending her husband to you too. With <laughs> <his prompt. laughs> he needs help. He needs help. Oh dear! So good to talk to you.
3: Great to
0: talk to
2: you. Thank Thank you. Hey, you got something on your mind? Are you a wizard or genius?
0: How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way or some process? They they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy? or What what the devil is going on? That's a
2: really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here.
0: Next time you want to know something. Can you repeat the question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the the expert with this this kind of of stuff, stuff, you know. Uh, You obviously don't know my dog. Just Just ask Victoria.
1: All right, shall we just ask Victoria? Here we go. Let's jump right in. And this is from Kelly from the East Midlands, UK. Oh, yeah. She says, my two-year-old pug dog has a bad habit of licking carpets and eating hair off the carpets. Nothing I do stops him from doing it. I've tried bad-tasting sprays, distraction, ignoring it, removing him from the room, but nothing helps. He gets lots of exercise and stimulation. It just seems a really bad habit I can't break. I've asked my vet, and he's in great health, and he advised me to keep him downstairs away from carpets, but that's not breaking the habit.
2: Well, in a way, it is breaking the habit, because if you stop the dog from doing something for long enough, then your dog is going to not indulge in it, and therefore the habit will be broken. But if you keep exposing your dog to those things that he likes and that he wants to lick, then you're just exacerbating the habit. So I think I'm all one for management. If you can manage the situation so your dog doesn't have that temptation, do it. Because, I mean, other than spraying the carpet with something that doesn't taste so good or Mm. telling your dog off each time your dog licks, that, you know, then you're going to be spending your life punishing your dog. I mean, if you want to try when you're there, when he can be supervised, you go upstairs, give him a toy. To play with, like a, mm-hmm. a toy stuffed with his food, stuffed with his meal, and let him play with that and redirect that licking from the carpet onto the toy. And when he's not supervised, he's not allowed to go up there.
1: Perfect. All right. This is from Leslie. She's in Savannah, Georgia, and she said she has a large black lab that is a year and a half and he has an extreme problem with chewing everything boy does that sound familiar i want to train him to only chew his toys and to stay and leave other items alone how can i help Hmm. and i know i had that problem and it's so frustrating because they don't you know they don't
2: mean it i know and look labs year and a half he's still a puppy I know dogs reach social maturity around 18 months, but labs just don't seem to do it until they're about three <laughs> years old. And they love it. They're very mouthy animals, Labrador retrievers. They like to hold things in their mouth. My dog, Sadie's the same. I didn't have her when she was a puppy. She only came to me when she was five years old, so I don't know whether Sadie? she had. Yes, I don't know whether she had that chewing issue when she was young, but I know a lot of labs that do. Mm-hmm. When dogs lose their adult teeth sorry their baby teeth and their mm-hmm. adult teeth grow in it takes a while for those adult teeth to set into the jaw and so you can have a second chewing phase after the adult teeth has come through really up until the dog's about two years old mm-hmm. and then of course some dogs just love that whole habit of chewing and it, chewing is a great stress reliever as well so you know there's it's sometimes very very hard to change but You have to redirect that inappropriate chewing onto something more appropriate by providing him with durable chew toys Mm -hmm. that he can chew on. Um, and also really look at him and maybe are there times when he is chewing more than others? There are triggers that trigger the chewing. I know dogs that are fine when there's nobody new in the house, but if you've got a stranger or a guest that comes into the house, then they start chewing, and that's, so that's relieving very stress. Yeah. yeah. So, but it sounds, you know, it sounds as if that this is just a lab that just loves chewing, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it really means that you have to put other items out of the way. Again, mm-hmm. management is key. So your dog's not tempted. So you provide these chew toys. What happens though When you provide chew toys, dogs get bored of them pretty quickly. So I do maybe three chew toys a day, and then I put those up, and then the next day there are three new chew toys. And then you keep rotating mm-hmm. so that the dog doesn't get bored of his toys. If you just leave the toys out there all the time, oh, they're just going to get boring. Dogs are like kids. Right. So you've got to keep it novel. If there's, the problem continues, I have one of my fantastic VSPDT trainers, Kevin Ray, who's in the Savannah area, and he, his um, business is the Canine Therapy Center. If you go to my website, positively.com slash trainers, you will be able to find Kevin Ray's details and information. Contact him. He can come and help you. Okay. This is a... Or can I just say... Yeah. Labs as well need a lot of outlet for their energy. So sometimes chewing is because a dog's just bored. It means you have to... Exhaust it. Exhaust them. Do lots of different activities. Get them out. Get them exercised. Get them mentally stimulated. You'll find that, that chewing really modifies. Okay. This is um, not really a chewing. It's a little
1: bit beyond. This is an eating from Christina in Boston. And she says, My family and I have a one-year-old Cavachon named Brady. He loves to eat everything. Recently, we got a new table with a bench, and he figured out how to jump up and steal food from the table. Like the other day, he ate a chocolate chip cookie. He also enjoys eating paper. He takes it right out of the garbage. The biggest thing that he eats are socks. So far, he's eaten five and has either pooped them out or thrown them up. We're all very scared that the next thing he eats may end, it may end very badly. Everyone would just be so devastated. So how can we help him?
2: Yeah, and that's, you know, I call this pica pica. Mm-hmm. Women get that.
1: Present, pr- pregnant women get that. Yeah,
2: and um, it is a behavioral issue. I find dogs that have this kind of piker behavior. Again, bored and stimulated, they need more in their day-to-day activities to give them outlets on which that they can, you know, they can do things and relieve stress and relieve anxiety. There's, I have to say, there's a lot of animals who have this, and the causes aren't known. Mm-hmm. There are some people that have theories about why something occurs but some of those theories are everything from they lack nutrients they're bored, they're chewing because it's a habit, they're chewing to relieve stress they're chewing, they're eating these things because they're hungry and it's an issue nobody can really put a definitive cause as to why dogs have pica behavior but let's say your dog eats his own poop, that's again a form of pica behavior Mm -hmm. and so again, the idea is to put something that tastes bad on your dog's poop. So your dog doesn't want to mm-hmm. eat it, but then you have to be there mm-hmm. to be able to either put something on your dog's poop or the best way is to take the poop away as soon as your dog has pooped. So it's not encouraged to eat it. So you can put, you can sprinkle bad things on the poop or you can put things like such as pineapple in your dog's food and that can make the stool taste unpleasant. So then the dog doesn't want to. To eat the stool, and there's various things like deter and forbid that are uh, things that you can get from a veterinarian that will also help the stool taste bad. But it's difficult when dogs are eating other kind of objects.
1: Can I ask you a really quick question about going yeah. back? Yeah, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, we'll put jalapenos or hot sauce or something," but couldn't that hurt the dog if you are not careful?
2: Yeah, you have to be very careful. About so that's that. not a that's not a great no, solution. No, not really. Okay, no. The best solution is to not allow them access to the items. Mm-hmm. If your dog, and here's extreme, I've had dogs that go outside, they will eat everything, including rocks, Mm. pebbles, all sorts of things, glass. When that occurs, then a good basket muzzle Mm -hmm. really is, is the way to go with that one. For the safety of the dog. Absolutely. I don't really like muzzles per se, but when it's talking, when you're talking about a dog that's actually going to die because it ingests something dangerous for it, Sometimes that's the only way. If there is a behavioral issue, if you suspect a behavioral issue, if you, or if your dog suddenly starts to indulge in this kind of behavior, then take your dog to the vet just to make sure there's no underlying medical problem. Mm-hmm. And if you catch your pet ingesting items, maybe, I mean, some people say pets will do it to get your attention and it starts a game because then they run away with the item and you chase them and this is a great game then a don't play the game but also always be vigilant and you can interrupt behavior if you mm-hmm. see your pet going onto something either teach your pet a good leave it cue so that when you say leave it your dog knows to back its nose away from something that's what i would do what definitely you with, with this dog cashmere yes and it works
1: beautifully she hasn't yeah. issued anything knock on wood since you were there years yeah. ago
2: and um give your dog, a lot of great toys that it can redirect that desire to eat objects and items onto more appropriate items.
1: And as we were talking about previously with the lab, I guess, would you say too tiring out the dog and, you know, so that they are just too tired, you know, run that dog and give them a lot of exercise. They're too tired to go find something Uh, to get into.
2: Yeah. That, that, and that that really helps. And But a lot of people will punish their animals for doing this. Punishment is just going to go, it's just going to exacerbate the problem. It's not going to help it.
1: They can't understand.
2: You can interrupt. If you see your dog beginning to indulge or about to indulge in something, you can interrupt behavior with a clap of your hands or a bub-bub or something like that and redirect your dog onto uh, more positive behavior. But don't punish them, scold them, hit them, or do anything like that because it's just not going to work.
1: All right, here's a question from Gina in Rumford, England, and she says, uh, My husband and I have two five-month-old Golden Retriever puppies, a boy and a girl. We've had them since they were seven weeks old. They get along fine at home, but fight whenever we take them out together. So we walk them separately twice a day, which works well, but taking them out together, and if, even if it's only to the car, is a struggle. They go for each other immediately, and once in the car, they're fine. Which is odd.
2: Now, these are sisters. It's a brother and a sister. A brother and uh, sister. Five-month-old boy and a girl. And they're fine, but they're okay. Tell me again. So it, basically,
1: they're fine at home, and they're fine once they're somewhere. But when they take she takes them outside together to walk them, they go after each other. So they walk them separately. Even if they take them to the car together, they fight till they get to the car. Once they're in the car, they're okay.
2: Mm, I think this is an excitement a frustration of being on the other end of the leash, not being able to act naturally because, you know, a leash confines the dog. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that there's such excitement, there's such frustration that that becomes, that gets redirected onto the other dog. And I think, you know, when you're taking the dogs out to the car, do it one by one. One dog first, go in and get the other dog, then then the, take the next dog into the car. So you stop that behavior from happening. And walk them separately. If you can have your... Um, A family member walk the other one whilst you walk your one then do that or if there's only you by yourself you walk each dog separately and start teaching them start teaching them cue words start um getting them to really listen to you because what happens is when you have especially when you have siblings but when you have two dogs together and they go out on a walk the owner ceases to exist Mm -hmm. and it all becomes about the dog's world So if you can really get your dog's attention when you're out there and work one-on-one and get your dog walking well and get your dog um, meeting other animals okay and not being reactive, then that's going to be much better when you eventually introduce them walking together. And before you introduce them walking together and you are by yourself, or you live by yourself, get a friend or family member to come and help you so that then the dogs experience walking together side by side, but then you're not the one holding both leashes. And then when they're really good and you've had some good experiences, then you can be the only person to walk them. Don't walk them on these leashes that as just one leash, one handle, and then they kind of separate into uh, two separate leashes but it's just one leash that Mm -hmm. you're holding because that just exacerbates frustration and aggressive response and could cause real irritation. But I think it's excitement that's causing this. I have a great trainer near uh, Romford, her name is Jane Williams and go to VS, go to positively.com slash trainers. And I would get her in to help you because maybe you're only going to need one session, but one session could change the rest of your life with these dogs.
1: Okay. Let's get to one more question. This is Kim in Fort Worth, Texas. And she says, is it okay to leave a dog crated all day while you're at work and then let them out a few hours and put them back in the crate? Also, if they're crated, what size should you use? And should they be given food or water?
2: Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't believe you're even asking me this, mm-hmm. but I'm glad you wrote in. Thank you. No, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> no. Well, here's but the deal. It, look, just ask yourself the same question. Right. What would it be like if I was kept in a crate the whole day right. and then I was let out for a few hours and then I had to sleep in the crate at night? And there you have your answer. Not good. If you are out all day and you have a dog then get a dog walker in that can give your dog a good hour to two-hour walk in the day. So if it has to be crated, at least it's broken up in the middle of the day. And then when you come out, you make sure that you, again, exercise that dog. Better still, go to a doggy daycare. Mm -hmm. Maybe have a dog walker twice a week, doggy daycare three times a week. But no, your dog is going to go insane.
1: It's like you being in a closet. You go ahead and put yourself in a closet all day. Go outside for five, ten minutes and go back in the closet.
2: (laughs) It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Poor, unstimulated dog. Thank you for writing in, but that's my answer. Barbara Godola, who is from Distinctive Dog Training is in Fort Worth Texas again she's one of my VSPDT trainers a lot of these questions believe you me you're just picking them randomly yeah. aren't you it's not just <laughs> no. but thankfully now we're getting a lot of trainers around the United States and in England so Distinctive Dog Training go to positivecom slash trainers you'll be able to find her and she probably can connect
1: you with doggy daycares oh, and yes. walkers and all of that so that oh, yes. yes great good to know alright well that ends another podcast and uh, thanks good information good to know I learned a few things so until next time bye everybody
0: thanks for tuning in to victoria stillwell's positively podcast for more information visit positively.com get connected on facebook as victoria stillwell or follow her on twitter at it's me or the dog this positively podcast has been brought to you by pets ad life who encourage you to get a pal for your pet visit PetsAdlife.org or the pets ad life facebook page to learn more Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.